Today is Friday, September 17th, 2021. There are two ways to live your life. One is as though everything is a miracle, and one is as though nothing is. Albert Einstein. You're listening to episode 260, Inner Fitness, with Dr. Barbara Dow-Petz. Even if I was in this, I was questioning a lot, I was curious a lot, but somehow I was not curious at a level that would have allowed me to notice much more of what was going on actually in my life and mm. in in the life of people around me. So um, I would say that I've learned about different levels of awareness and consciousness that I simply did not know that I did not know. Right. And uh, this is also another concept that I have discovered. There are things that we do not know, and there are things that we do, and that we know that we don't know. And there are things that we do not know that we do not know. And nonetheless, they exist. Right. So, with this awareness now, the way I am paying attention to reality, to what's going on in my life, and also when I interact with my clients. Right? As a coach, you want to see beyond what they see. You want to see the, the potentialities. You want to see the resources that are not immediately visible. So you do need to be alerted on these different levels of consciousness and, and awareness that you might have about the person in front of you. This is the Dance of Life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here as always and sharing a little bit of your Friday with me. Today I have an interesting guest for you. Her name is Dr. Barbara Dal-Petz. She holds a doctorate in ontology from the University of Hong Kong, a master's in counseling in uh, cognitive behavioral therapy from Monash University in Australia. And she's a member of the leadership development faculty for the Asia Pacific region at a top global financial institution. She has extensive personal and professional experience on the subject of self-evolution, conscious leadership, and well-being. With over 18 years of global experience, she inspires individuals, entrepreneurs, and leaders to reconnect with their most profound and authentic essence, discover their purpose, and bring about positive change in their lives and in the world. If you want to connect with Dr. Barbara, I'm going to put a link for it in the show notes for this episode. Again, that's episode 260. You can access all the show notes for free. Stay updated at danceoflife.com slash podcast. Excited to dive into it today as we check out Dr. Barbara's new book, The Unexpected Gift, as well as her own journey as an expert in the leadership and personal development space. Also, what inner fitness means and how you can apply it in your own life. Just about to get into this conversation with you, but make sure you hit that subscribe button, share, leave a review, like, whatever it is you want to do today, and away we go. Let's do this. Episode 260, 
Inner Fitness with Dr. Barbara Dow Petz. All right. Well, good. So I decided to hit record here because I'm like, we're getting into this uh, conversation here where we are getting some good conversation going. So anyway, before we jump into what you just asked me, but welcome to the show. Happy to have you. You know, I can tell you, you have such a curious soul. So I'm very excited to have you. I haven't had too many people with a background in ontology. Uh, so I'm very excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Dr. Barbara. Thank you. Thank you very much. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for having me on your show. And for people that don't know what ontology is, you know, uh, can you explain what that is? Ontology is uh, an area in philosophy that study basically the structure of the human being, that study actually the essence of being. <laughs> and it is a, um, a branch of philosophy that I'm very passionate about and that I have studied for many years and I have my uh, PhD on and um, I've I've always been very passionate about people and I wanted to understand at a deeper level what they are about from a philosophical perspective. And so that's what ontology was as a choice for me. So that that's basically in a very simple manner what ontology is about. Yeah, I was, uh, I've always been curious myself too. And I think one of the first words other than mom and dad was like, why for me? <laughs> why, <laughs> why is this happening? What, why, what's going on? You know? And so I've always been a very much an inquisitive person. I was introduced yeah. to ontology through, you, you might know this, but a program called Landmark, the Landmark yeah. Forum, they're, yes. they're all over the world, obviously. And so uh, that's yes. when I first heard that term is uh, through Landmark yeah. several years ago. Yeah. And interesting yeah. stuff, you know, so very, very interesting. And actually, I was also introduced to the landmark. And when I discovered that their technology is based on the author that I have studied and I did my PhD on Warner a Earhart. lot of their tech. No, no, that's the founder of oh. the landmark, but their technology is based on a lot of ont on ontology and particularly on Martin Heidegger philosophy. Oh, and okay. so um, that's that's the philosopher I've studied a lot. And so it was very exciting to hear how they applied basically. And they, they of course, they didn't apply it, but they work with that philosophy and they... Um, shaped it in the personal development area so it was quite exciting for me to find that out so quite yeah. interesting i love philosophy that was actually one of my uh in in school when i when i was in college it was what i wanted to major in um but then i, I was doing that in english and music and i was like all right <laughs> i need to <laughs> I need to pick something here you know and so i ended up actually believe it or not getting a bachelor's in psychology, which was really fun. We had some really cool classes in uh, perceptions and, you know, sensation and perception, um, conditioning. Those are all, oh, those are yeah. my favorite classes. Just like, wow, being yeah. uh, aware of how we, how we learn. And it's just so fascinating. It is. It is indeed. It is indeed. And in all areas, I think it doesn't matter wh where you are at you are in the you were in the performing arts i think right yeah so yeah beautiful <laughs> now you asked me a question you said why 
Can you ask me again? What, what was yes, it? Like, why did sure. I start the podcast? I was <laughs> speaking about why and being curious. It is uh, my question was, uh, what moved you to start this podcast? Why did you decide to start this kind of podcast? Yeah, so that's, that, Im- yeah, that's a good question. You know, it's funny because I, uh, I mean, if you look, for example, on iTunes, people can still look up like the first episode that I ever published. It's all there. It was terrible, but you know, it was, you know, uh, a brave episode in the sense that I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. I really don't know where this is going. Um, but something inside me wants to have a greater sense of meaning. And my point in my life at the time, I was actually still working for a company, although, you know, kind of, I was technically almost self-employed by the way they were doing it, but either way, I, I wasn't free. And I was reaching a point in my career where my background in working with people with dancing and, and training them how to dance and how to move, you know, throughout my whole life, because you asked me, you, you said you liked the name of my podcast. And I think a lot I of people um, have said the same thing too. It's certainly very clever, but uh, you know, the, the real meaning to that me is, is sort of a reflection of my background in being a professional athlete, obviously dancing, but alongside that journey of 15 years, I was also doing a lot of stuff I mentioned to you. I needed landmark, you know, into different seminars, you know, read books, all that kind of stuff. And so while simultaneously pursuing this personal growth adventure, you know, and quest like everybody else, you know, we try to grow and learn. I was also learning about movement principles and, and training people how to perform and also trying to overcome my own um internal issues because of a subjective sport, you know, dancing is not, there's no finish line in dancing. Everybody's <laughs> flailing around with rhinestones on. And, you know, <laughs> even though you did better than the next guy, you know, the judge knows him and he picked you. So now you have to resolve this internal feeling of why was not I picked, you know? And so there was, there was a lot of very interesting um, parallels to real life, you know, and success and business and things like that through the experience that I had. And, I started to really see the parallels and try to see that that dance of life, tried to see, you know, the last book I wrote was called uh, Dance Your Way Through Life, which is basically for me an attitude of how can we navigate the music of our lives with grace and with power, regardless of what is happening, you know? So it's, it's the same stuff, you know, being able to reframe, being able to, you know, see a different perspective, but obviously just through my own perspective. And so um, long story short, you know, this whole podcast was started at a point in my life when that um, that was reaching critical mass. You know, I was getting sick and tired of doing just, you know, when somebody, especially the more aware you become of human behavior, psychology, like I said, I'm, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, because we all go through this phase where we are in a situation, we want more out of it, we're aware that we want more there's so there's this incongruence and that incongruence grows and grows and grows like a little chicken and egg and eventually the eggshell cracks Mm -hmm. and i was in that stage where the activity that i was doing as a teacher just teaching people how to dance i was seeing through that you know the people that were coming and actually actually staying with me as students and staying for prolonged periods of time they weren't staying because of the dancing i mean the dancing was fun and it was you know uh, something to do but really it was a vehicle to uncover other things, you know, things like self-worth, things like, mm. uh, you know, anxiety, uh, releasing uh, sort of this trauma, maybe from a previous relationship, all these different things. That's why they were staying. And when that journey was done, 
something happened and they would just be done taking sessions and lessons, you know, and so on. And so I lived that journey for many, many years. And the more I became aware of that journey, I realized like, you know, like I, I want something more out of my life. I want something, I, you know, I, I'm tired of talking about the steps here because I know why you're here. You know, let's, <laughs> let's cut the bullshit, you know, and let's cut, let's cut through the bullshit and let's, let's get to what's really going on, you know, because ultimately uh, that's really why you're here. And so I was just craving this meaning, but I wasn't able to really express it at the time because, you know, obviously I was working for somebody else and they had, you know, certain ways of doing things and you have to do it by their book. And, um, and I didn't have that freedom. So freedom for me was a big driver. And so I didn't know what the podcast was going to do or lead. I mean, I just wanted to have a place to express and to feel at least that consolation of, well, there's some meaning in my life. There's a lot of ideas and things that are inside me that are just boiling that I want to express that I want to feel like I'm talking about. And that's how it all started. You know, if you listen, listen to the first episode, like I said, it sucks, but the topic is, uh, <laughs> you know, the topic is create a life, you taking action to create a life you love. I'll never forget that, you know? So it's really, that was the catalyzing, like, okay, take action to create the life you love. And three months uh, or four months from that episode, I was fired from that job uh, for seven years after I gave my six months notice. And I was basically oh. conned into selling thousands of dollars of packages into my students so that they would be indentured and they couldn't leave because they were on contract and all this kind of stuff. And so the right. universe just moved things along, you know, and it was fine. It was a little scary at first, but it actually was the best thing that could have possibly happened uh, because the particular person I was working for had an extremely restrictive non-compete agreement. So if I had actually served my six month terms, like a loyal uh, little honeybee that I was trying to be, I would have been screwed, you know? So the fact wow. that he did fire me and he acted uh, emotionally and, and prematurely uh, that canceled his shackles. And so wow. uh, I had a few clients that obviously followed me and uh, you know, I was able to rebuild my business and then, you know, so on and so forth and, and into uh, the next following year. So, yeah, I mean, everything happens for a reason, but anyway, that's a long winded answer to your question. <laughs> Thank you. No, <laughs> I usually don't I talk that, that much on, uh, on an interview in the beginning at least. So yeah, but that's good. I'm glad you asked me a question. Maybe somebody, somebody learned something, I think. <laughs> yes. That's, that's always very, very interesting. At least for me to, to, to listen to the stories of people. So I love that. Thank you. What got so now your turn? What got you into yeah. what you're doing? Obviously, you are a very curious person. You know, you you love philosophy. You love thinking about why. But you know, doing what you do now, you're a leadership expert. You you help people with self actualization, yeah. authenticity. You you you've traveled all over the world. How did you get into doing what you're doing now? Um, actually, I did not choose it at first. I would say. Um, it actually came to me. People, when I was uh, young, when I was in my younger, in my university years, I had uh, people naturally coming to me um, asking for advice or sharing what they were going through and they wanted my opinion on that. And it just happened very often and very naturally so that they, they would call me the wise woman. And uh, I think that that was... Um, 
was a blessing because I was realizing that actually I was quite uh, interested in learning how to help people. You said in self-actualization and that's actually what I love to do. And so from something that just naturally was part of my life, I discovered the world of uh, coaching through studying philosophy, actually studying uh, psychology. And that when I started my traveling and I started my experience of living abroad, I'm originally from Italy. Italy, but I lived for 20 years in the Asia Pacific region. Wow. So um, I, I, I really, really was uh, um, interested in exploring the human condition, I want would like to say and so naturally I moved towards um, doing being a coach um, and exploring that uh, that industry and and I love it actually I love it it has not been a straightforward uh, uh, journey because I went through philosophy I am I teach at the university um, I did research in philosophy I did a postdoc in philosophy I work in corporation I started working corporation as a trainer and a facilitator so and and uh, I have done it in different countries in different cultures and so I I've always loved and I was curious to investigate the diversity of human beings wherever I was and then I was just connecting dots and the dots come came together into the coaching profession and it's something that I really love and for me uh, being a, a leadership coach and I I for me, it is helping people to really discover who they are from the inside out. I like to say that the the leadership development that I help my clients do, and it is like if you imagine a beautiful Swiss watch that has a transparent top and you can see all the engines inside and mm, they are yeah. all very beautiful, clean, and they work perfectly together. That's my job. I do that for human beings. I work with them in order to get all the engines ready and that move very well and smoothly. And once that's done, then they can apply their brilliance in any kind of uh, settings. So being in a corporate situation, being as entrepreneurs, being in life. So that doesn't matter. And that's, again, my passion for ontology, right? We go at the core of what are the dynamics of the um, human side of humans. So that was a longer answer to your question as well. I love it. Yeah, I, I love the <laughs> metaphor of the watch. I always loved skeleton watches. They were so cool, especially, obviously, Swiss watches are such high quality. But, yeah, I've always loved yeah. Just the precision. Yeah. I, in fact, actually, today I saw a picture of, uh, yeah, you just get these random things on Facebook or something. And I saw a picture of a close up of a dragonfly's wing. And it was just a close up of a dragonfly's wing. And it looked like a stained glass window in a church. It was yeah. so interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, wow, so much detail, so much, you know, precision in the world around us. It's really inspiring. And, and in fact, you're bringing this up, the way I also name what I do, I help people create inner transparency, really mm. having this see-through um, kind of uh, metaphor of themselves, right? So it is all crystal clear and it you can actually see, you know where something ends and something else begins. So beautiful and powerful, that's the the inner transparency that I am uh, helping people to find. 
Well, it reminds me too of uh, the whole idea of the, the lens of your eye is nothing, but it's because of its nothingness that you can have access to all color. Yeah. Right. And so Beautiful. ultimately, if you have a cataract, if you have something there, <laughs> then, <laughs> then the lens is useless, right? Because you can't, or, you know, you're limited in some way. And so um, that transparency is needed for everything to be, you know, to exist and to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I love that because we, I don't think that we do think enough about it and how important it is. Um, and I believe that because the situation and the world we live now in is very complex. It is very complex. If we have complexity inside and we do not have this transparency and our engines are not moving smoothly, our life become really, really complicated and really difficult because we have to um, invest energy both on managing the outside with its complexity and at the same time managing our inside that also is complex and maybe murky and and so it is it becomes really difficult and so happiness and serenity and inner freedom they become very distant whereas I will what I love for people and I love it for myself and I love for people I collaborate with is really that there is at least this uh, inner freedom right so that you can actually leverage your skills talents and resources to master your life uh, in the complex world we are in so I, I think it is very important for people to start really thinking about these and investing in this inner transparency i would say you, you've been to so many different cultures and yep. i'm sure with your background you've been able to see the parallels. So I'm curious, what would you say are some of the top ways that people create that complexity inside and, and get hung up on, you know, uh, just, just get trapped, I guess. But how, how do you see it playing out across human beings in different cultures, different situations? Uh, well, there is a huge diversity of scenarios where you see it. What comes to mind that I can share is, for example, um, being able to distinguish who you are as an individual, for example, from who you are as an individual that belongs to a culture. I think it is one important element that I would uh, think of because uh, if we do not pay attention to that inner transparency or to do that inner work, I call it the inner work of leadership, sometimes uh, we all do that. We absorb some cultural elements that are linked to our culture, but they don't really belong to us as uh, an identity, as a person, as an individual. And sometimes they can cause that complexity inside. Um, I, I lived and worked in mainland China for several years. And uh, one of um, the values that they have there is to save face, for example. And for saving face on the outside, and that's a cultural uh, element there, um, you create a lot of stress and tension on the inside. But once you become clear and you have a distinction between this as an element of culture that doesn't necessarily need to be 
to belong to your identity, deeper identity. Once you have created that distinction, it frees you. So there is at least a gap where you can make a choice. Do I embrace that value? Do I choose it? That is a value in my culture? Or can I think and imagine a different way of uh, dealing with that that makes me feel a little bit better and that doesn't cause me stress because maybe sometimes I would want to say something that would free me in the inside that will create that tiny little bit of transparency but I don't say it because culturally I've learned that I want to save face so there is this is one of the example right and and there are so many because as you said this is just one that came to mind uh, thinking about Chinese culture uh, for what I have learned about it of course I don't want to generalize because uh, it is immense as a culture but uh, this is one of the element where I would say that I people can become clear, at least to have a choice, right? And to have back the power to making a decision that it is up to them. So that that is, uh, yeah, that's, I think, uh, describe a little bit what I mean. Well, it kind of reminds me of like cognitive dissonance, basically, is just being, having these two incongruent situations and how we, we just hate that feeling. And so we will do anything for certainty, you know, and having uh, stability in our minds, even if necessarily the solution is not, you know, the most empowering one or, or let's say maybe the most authentic one, whatever. But we, we do not like having that sense of cognitive dissonance in our yeah. minds. And yeah. one thing I've found that's very valuable, and, I, and maybe you can share about how you, how you deal with this in your own life or how you help people deal with it. But I found that to some extent, you know, cognitive dissonance has a purpose in the sense that when you're learning new information and it's, it's especially for example, let's say information by yourself, right? So when you're learning and you discover a blind spot, you know, something that was ruling your behavior automatically, obviously it's not pretty, you know, oh, I'm doing things because I, I didn't get attention as a child. So I, I want to be liked in public. That's not something pretty to admit. And so there's this sort of cognitive dissonance that comes up because you, you know, you have to resolve the feeling of, of your own, faults or lacks or whatever else with, with your perceived identity and ego. And, and that's uncomfortable. And so I've, I've found that the longer you can entertain that and be patient through it and, and allow your mind to stretch, there's a lot of growth available there. But I think a lot of times we, we experience this dissonant situation that's out of alignment with what we believe. And then we, we sort of jump on the emotional you know, bandwagon and say, Oh, no, I can't, I can't, I can't tolerate this. So immediately we look for certainty, we look for resolution, you know, so. Yeah. What, what I, what I would say is that the tendency what I, what I noticed before you embark in a personal development journey, actually, when you do feel that dissonance, the, the, the first response is to cover it up because it is uh, too difficult to deal with and uh, we do not know what it is actually about. We do not have the tools to investigate it. We do not have the language to name it. And so what we, we do, again, before learning that we can learn about ourselves and we can learn about mastering ourselves, we cover up the situation. So we literally... Um, entertaining behaviors that are more distracting and uh, they are causing more noise so that we do not pay attention to that 
inner dissonance, that inner conflict that we feel with respect to the outside world. And so I think that um, that is another extremely important element that makes personal the personal development journey really something that it is worthwhile because uh, um, we learn about ourselves and we learn not to cover up those uh, discomforts that in fact are ways for us to know more about ourselves, discover more, and uh, also somehow, I don't know if I can say upgrade and evolve our ourselves uh, um, in, in new ways, expanding our sense of identity, expanding the way we see our world and what's possible. And uh, if I look at my own story, I'm you didn't mention it, um, but I wrote a book about my, <clears throat> excuse me, my divorce. And that's uh, the unexpected uh, gift, right? The, it is the unexpected yeah, I gift. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, nice. And and I bring it out now because um, when the breakup happened out of the blue for me, at the time, I did not have the tools. I did not have the personal development tools that would have allowed me to overcome the trauma in a much faster way. Mm. And uh, had I known then what I know today, it would have been a completely different experience. But at the time, and I am a curious person, as you mentioned, and I, ha I already had studied philosophy and I already was investigating a lot. And at the same time, I didn't know about the possibility of this kind of investigation and the, the, the tools that I could have learned to better understand what was happening with me. Right. And so that that is another element actually that contributed for me to become more and more passionate about coaching. Going back to your first question. When was but, this? When did the divorce happen? Um, the breakup happened uh, uh, to uh, 12 years ago. Gotcha. The divorce, the formal divorce uh, happened uh, seven years ago. So there is right. uh, the the time needed to process yeah. all the things right but um but really the 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 insight on uh, who i am as a person my story uh what was actually my story and what was the story that i was just embodying that was the place where i was brought up in and the country i lived in the culture i lived in uh that all became started to become evident and the distinction started to appear when the first uh, the breakup at first happened right because it is like really a breakthrough in my life and uh, you as a philosopher martin heidegger says uh, you are kind of shaken and say okay what's going on here and in the crack you see that there is more there is something exceeding what you have always thought believed and it was so well packaged packaged mm. so um, the the my passion and my belief in personal development and what it can do for people's life and the quality of life is is really great big because I have experienced it myself and uh, and I think that everybody <laughs> should embark in a, in personal development actually at some at some level. I think a lot of people can relate to your experience, I mean, certainly now, especially divorces are on the rise and there's just so many challenges as well to 
Um, I, I don't know, you know, it just seems like there's a lot more challenges to the longevity of relationships. There's a lot of pressure to marry. Maybe that, that wasn't, I don't know that, uh, people are marrying maybe for frivolous reasons. Let me put it that way. Like, for example, we see <laughs> some of these bachelor shows and, you know, just these, um, trivializations of, of a very serious commitment, you know, and I'm not saying anything about your marriage with that. I'm just saying in general, like marriage is divorce is up on the rise. So I think a lot of people are, a lot of people can relate to your story. So I'm very curious, what was your, you know, what were some things that you learned about yourself from that experience? Like you said, like if you had the tools that you had now, you know, it would have gone very differently. Um, so, you know, what, what would have gone differently? Like, what did you learn about yourself? Um, well, I've learned a lot about myself and actually who I am today, it is difficult to admit, but it is also due to what I went through, even if I didn't, I would not have chosen it, of course. Yeah. Um, but the, the humility, I would say, to uh, observe yourself in your life and no matter how good or not perfect, but quite a good life you perceive you have, and, there, and therefore the temptation of just not question it um, is there. I wouldn't do that. In fact, now I am always open to, um, to something that exceeds what I can imagine, the possible that I can think of. I know that the the creativity of life is so much more than what I can imagine and then even the situation that seems all balanced and uh, in equilibrium and they seem allow me to say perfect for 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 that particular moment um, they are not and they are not exhaustive of all that is possible whereas before even if I was invest I was a questioning a lot I was curious a lot but somehow I was not curious at a level that would have allowed me to notice much more of what was going on actually in my life and mm. in in the life of people around me so um, I would say that I've learned about different levels of awareness and consciousness that I simply did not know that I did not know right and uh, this is also another concept that i have discovered there are things that we do not know and there are things that we do and that we know that we don't know and there are things that we do not know that we do not know and nonetheless they exist right so with this awareness now the way i am paying attention to reality to what's going on in my life and also when i interact with my clients Right. As a coach, you want to see beyond what they see. You want to see the, the potentialities. You want to see the resources that are not immediately visible. So you do need to be alerted on these different levels of consciousness and, uh, and awareness that you might have about the person in front of you. So um, I think that it is uh, now there are much more layers of depth that I am aware of and that I can recognize uh, um, again not only in me but also in the people I am interacting with and I think that that's uh, that's really precious and it is uh, it, it it gives you a, a different depth and it gives you a different demand different dimensions that you can actually relate to um, when you are moving through life dancing 
uh, through life, as you were saying. So um, I think that this is uh, already by, by saying this, it is really an expansion, an expansion of what becomes possible then, then in life, right? And, uh, and, and in fact, the subtitle of my book is Emerging Anew After the Unthinkable. So the level of unthinkable that I have today <laughs> is much different than the one that I had then and that mm. I, I never questioned that there was an unthinkable, right? Because I was constantly thinking about everything, basically, <laughs> which is quite interesting at, at the same time. So, yeah. That is, yeah, that is really interesting. And I remember that same distinction of you know what you know, you know what you don't know. Like, I know I can't fly a plane, so I know that I don't know that, but what don't you know that you don't know? <laughs> you know, there's a whole yeah. wide yeah. world of our subconscious or whatever you want to call it, you know, just these blind spots that are hidden, you know, silently ruling our behavior. And you don't know that you don't know these things, you know, and it's, it's yeah. just thinking about that alone, not even necessarily identifying anything right away, but just realizing that there is a part of your consciousness Mm-hmm. that you don't know that you don't know. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, that's yeah. true. You know, we stay and so then, much in the conscious <laughs> realm, but anyway, yeah. And then you have that haha moment. Like uh, uh, when I was a kid, I was little, and I remember that uh, um, we were allowed to eat um, candies on Sundays, right? And when you were a kid. And then I go to kindergarten and there is this uh, little kid next to me who is eating candies and it is Tuesday. And I look at him and said, why are you eating candies on Tuesday? And I said, why not? And I said, well, candies, can you not just eat them on Sunday? <laughs> right? And that was a moment where I discovered what I did not know, basically, mm-hmm. right? That you do <laughs> have a possibility that is different of what you are aware of. That's, that was... Uh, was a funny discovery actually <laughs> it's, yeah i mean it's it's so funny when we it's hidden in plain sight right i mean there's so many um i find too that that they're simple exercise of just going outside i, I go outside a lot of and like i said i have a nice neighborhood but i think just going outside and, and developing the practice of noticing you know of just noticing things in general i think is such an important practice of life because you know the mind and this has been my whole shtick with the with the background and movement and dancing is that, um, and I'm curious because this will also transition into what you talk about with inner fitness, but, you know, for me, there, there's always been a, a relationship between the physical outside world and the inside world, you know, and so the inside world doesn't have space. It doesn't have, you know, you can't really travel anywhere. It's, it's just this, this ethereal, you know, <laughs> invisible world of words and meaning and language. And, and that's okay. But ultimately, it's very murky because it doesn't have that uh, objectivity in a sense, you know, the, the physical world, we have the ground and it's there, it's right in front of you. You can stand on it, you can walk on it, you know? And so for me, it's always been a great practice to use the physical world to train the mind, to be able to do these gymnastics and things that it needs to do in a much more complicated realm, you know, but when I go out and go for a walk, I, I just love just noticing, you know, like I was, I have this, um, I don't even know what kind of flowers they are, like some daisies or something, you know, I, I have to look it up, but they literally look like they're just made with pastels. Like they're just created out of something, you know, it's just some, like somebody made them in a store and they're in somebody's <laughs> yard and they're these bright little colors, like yellows and oranges. And 
I'm just like, wow, I'd never noticed that before, you know? And it's like having that curiosity and zest for, for detail, I think also helps you turn that attention inward. Uh, you know, we're, we're, again, it's harder. You have to take accountability. It's, it's not as objective, you know, it's, it's all over the place. And so I think that's an important skill is noticing. Yeah. I, and I agree with you and uh, noticing the details that not, I'm not very good with details actually. And when I, I love going for walks in nature and in the woods, and I made I make a point every time to spend part of my walks and noticing the tiniest little, most the, the details in the flowers, in the leaves, in trees, in tiny little animals that you might see yeah. around <laughs> and crazy. it is a great yeah. exercise because it it actually it brings you need to slow down time to notice and it does bring you back to a fraction of the present moment which i claim is where actual peace is and and the measure of bear whatever is there in that fraction of the present moment. So mm. by noticing the details, it is like you slow time and you are you are really able to feel that present moment, which I think is so uh, rich with resources and it connects. It is the moment when the, the physical and the intangible actually connect, I think. That's and, so true. Uh, and I think being able to see those increments is so important, like you said, because uh, you know, one big problem I, I see for like, you know, I, I went through landmark for example, and I really enjoyed it. You know, nothing, uh, nothing bad about them, but one thing I feel that they were missing from my experience and background, uh, is, is sort of this approach to, and of course, you know, it's a business model as well. They have to be very streamlined, but one thing that was missing for me was this approach of integrating the body into, sort of the, the awareness and the getting into the body and emotional uh, sense and things like that. And again, I understand why they don't do it, but you know, for me, it's always been so valuable to have this sense of sensitivity, you know, because a lot of the times I think one reason why our brains run away so much is because we are desensitized. You know, when you need a certain amount of stimulus to get a reaction and that stimulus keeps growing and growing and growing, and you just need more and more and more, you do not see the details in between life. And when you don't see the details in between those moments, like you said, those fractions of a present moment, um, it's very easy to just like bounce around your consciousness. You know, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? I, I need another yeah. stimulation. I need another, you know, yeah. button. Uh, but if you can see those fractions and you can just be so fulfilled by, just the so much information. There's so much information when you, like I said, when you look at, um, I'm, yeah, I just, I love talking about this stuff, but like, for example, yeah, again, the physical world for me is such a, an endless source of wisdom. Like when you, when I walk in a park, for example, and I see a tree this far away, you know, you can look at that tree and kind of just walk by it. It's not, it's not anything significant. It's kind of, you know, out of your field of vision. It's, it's sort of just there. It's an object. But if you walk up to that tree and you get like really, you put your face really close to it, like up to the, you know, almost your nose. I mean, it's fascinating what you can see. You know, you can see these little folds in the bark. You see maybe some ants crawling around and you wonder what is their life like? You see bugs, you see, you know, different shades of the sunlight, you know, maybe some uh, whatever, you know, you just see so much, so much information. 
when you zoom in. And I think that that physical example is also how we can train our mind to zoom in, like you said, to those fractions of a present moment, because that was, that's what helps us to focus our mind, you know, and not let it run away. Yeah. And when you're doing that, actually, it is when you feel your body as well, and therefore your sensations show up, even if uh, um, you tend to be in your head because it is easier, it is uh, something that we all do. Technology help us doing that too. But oh, yeah. when you, you do that focus on the details and the tiny little fraction, that's when you are connected really with your physicality and you do feel that then sensations emotions pop up and that and that that is uh, beautiful and from there you kind of uh, uh, integrate you start the integration right from the mind the body um, the spiritual for those who believe in that too nature and it becomes really a moment that is uh, holistic in in in, a, in full mm. sense i believe yeah, that's what it's all about. I think it's really integrating that mind-body experience. And uh, you know, if you look at all these spiritual traditions like yoga and karate or whatever else, you know, even I mean, folk dances that have been around for thousands of years and cultures, you know, as they evolved, dancing's always been around, and it's it's always had some sort of a a very powerful meaning, you know, that that ties somewhat into spirituality or, or some sense of you know integration with nature. And I, I think physicality in general is just part of our growth. You know, I think it's so important to have that mind body connection. Obviously there's so many things to work on in the mind, but the body can also provide that foundation as well. You know, it's kind of like a bottom up approach, you know? So, you know, when, what comes to mind, I made this experience in Miami um, last year. There was this dancer from LA that came to Miami. And um, it was amazing to watch because the way he was moving in space, dancing free, it was free dance, basically. But the way he was moving and uh, he was so delicate all the parts of his body, even the, the, the fingers, they, they kind of melted in space. I've never seen anything like that. It seemed mm. like there was no distinction between him, his body, and the space he was dancing in. Wow. It was amazing. It was amazing. It, 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 it really looked and felt like he was melting with the air. It was incredible. And that was how connected he was inside and out and through dancing that was incredible so beautiful so to the point that i couldn't stop looking at him and i had to apologize because i said i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> i really don't know how you do it but it is so beautiful so beautiful yeah yeah it's uh it's pretty inspiring what people can do these days i mean they're just so it's so inspiring to see like i don't know if like if you watch ballet or anything like that but some of these people or any any kind of dancing where it's structured and it's all you know follows some sense of uh you know, structure, I mean, it's just beautiful because it's so intentional and it's so detailed. You know, I always say dancing is not, um, it's all made up, right? I mean, we all made up, you know, we move <laughs> like this, do this, you know, and we, we created it. It's not something necessarily that if we would have done that in an evolutionary setting, we probably would have attracted predators and died. So that wouldn't have been selected <laughs> for, but, uh, but it is created and it's beautiful because of that. And I think uh, yeah. life, life is very much like that in the sense that you, 
I call it choreograph your, your life or your dance of life. You know, you have to set intentional rules and you have to set intentional beliefs about what do you do? When do you do it? Why do you do it? What, when, and why? This is how you choreograph a dance routine. It's how you choreograph your life, you know? So to me, it's all, it's all very much the same, you know, it's all very much the same. Beautiful. You have a, a program, Inner Fitness. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, inner fitness is my passion. Yeah, I love that. Yes, Uh, it is path to inner fitness. And it is really being committed to create that inner transparency I was talking about before. So becoming first aware of what constitutes our inner engine. So our mindset, our emotional set and how we... um, we in we relate to those aspects of ourselves how aware are we about the way we think the way we operate from the inside out so it is a i'm really passionate about it and it is really the 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 response that path to inner fitness is always very powerful because are those uh, elements that are so close to us that we don't see them and when somebody points at those and they say oh and, how, and that's how I can transform and that's how I can be different and that is how I can build a different quality of life. I can become aware of relationship that I am in and how they impact the way I feel and know what it is about and have all those distinctions that allow me to move differently in life within myself inside and out. So the inner fitness is really being at the gym of the inside constantly, right? Like we go to, we go and we want our body to be toned, to have good muscles, as little fat as possible. And we want to be fit on the outside. So I want that beauty uh, on the inside as well, because I do believe that when we are, we are beautiful on the inside, we are even more beautiful on the outside, actually. Yeah, so um, that, that is what um, is my commitment with the inner fitness, inner fitness program. Yeah. I've always, uh, I mean, especially with my background in movement, I've always found it funny that, you know, somebody could have, like in dancing, you have two basically ways to move. You have pictures and you have basically movement, like rhythm, right? So people could stand there and look pretty or they can move and, and flow. Like the example that you gave of the guy that you saw where he was just melting in space and just so in tune. And uh, it, it's very funny to me because, you know, we are by default kind of a society, especially with Instagram and social media and everything, very much focused on pictures, you know, how do we look when we stand there, you know, but really we aren't, you know, I, I remember I've taught, you know, this was several years ago, but I used to teach, um, you know, bodybuilders, you know, women, you know, men, I mean, people who are very fit and in shape, but uh, they were good at standing there, you know, they're standing and looking good, you know, it looked pretty good. You take a picture, you're going to look pretty perfect, you know, <laughs> but get and start move around. And it's suddenly a very different story, you know, and it looks awkward or maybe, you know, uh, it lacks this grace component of, yeah. of connectivity or surrender. And it's so funny to me because, you know, I've, I've also seen the other side of it where I've seen people who I saw a video of a guy, I'm, I'm sure people have seen it because it's viral. It went viral like a, a couple of years ago or something, but and I'm sure he has other videos, but it's this guy, he's very overweight. Like he's an overweight man. I mean, he's, I think probably obese based on how he looks, but it, the way he dances ballet, it just blows my freaking mind. I mean, he, 
is so flexible. I mean, he can do the splits. He can do, you know, yeah. pirouettes. He can do all this stuff. I'm like, wow, I just can't stop watching this guy. You know, yeah. he is, it's so um, interesting and so engaging to watch him dance. Where on, if you were just to stand there, you, you wouldn't think twice that he was a ballerina, you know? And so um, those kind of things, it's really about, it, to me, that's what I relate to it is, the movement is really a product of what's what's inside of you. What what do you feel? What do you know? How can you execute? Uh, those are all structures in your mind, you know, and 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 how you relate to movement. Whereas uh, the picture is really just what's on the outside, you know. So it's very interesting how those things can change the impact of a person even more so. I think again, if somebody maybe doesn't have, uh, let's say, the perfect body or something, but they can move well suddenly they're so much more attractive. You know, same thing with a person who is very attractive, but uh, has very shitty values or doesn't, you know, doesn't have a vocabulary or can't communicate very well or, you know, whatever. It's like the inside is just missing the software, you know? (laughs) Yes. And it does happen also with people that sing. Sometimes there are people that pay attention to the technique and they just want to be perfect with the technique, which is the outside expression of singing and they forget the soul of it. And Mm. then you hear somebody else that maybe it is he or she is out of tune and, but they sing with such a passion that you cannot stop listening and appreciating no matter what, which I find always fascinating did the, the power of expressing ourselves from the inside out authentically right that's soul expressing that's yeah out. yeah i think we we're drawn to that by nature we we want to see i mean to me it's again with my background in movement we always studied how do you how do you move in such a way that it is real you know because for example in it's nature beautiful. there's a lot of um and in, in dancing, it's really about mastering your body weight. And I think, again, this relates to everything because in the physical world, your control of your center, like your physical center, determines whether you move with intention and authenticity or not. So, for example, you know, there's a lot of flailing. You can flail your arms around, you know, and, <laughs> and do all this choreography and look pretty. But it really gets real when you move your center around because in nature, we are evolved to see if something is moving towards you and they're moving their body, like they're moving their center and they're getting closer to you, this is important. Our brain naturally prioritizes that. Whereas if something is over there and kind of opening its feathers up and, you know, like if a peacock was, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen like a peacock flurry, it's feathers it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's this beautiful yeah, explosion, but if it was, let's say you, you saw a peacock and peacock is a perfect example, but you saw a peacock and it was, you know, I don't know, like 10 feet away from you or something. And it just looks at you and just kind of just, brrr, you know, flurries its feathers. Yeah. It just And it just stands there. And you're like, oh, well, okay, that's interesting. You know, I'm not terribly scared of it, you know, but if it suddenly starts moving to its body weight towards you mm-hmm. or it, it slowly starts advancing, you're like, oh shit, like this is important now. Like, I, you know, this is real, <laughs> you know? So this, you know, this silly example is actually the same way in, uh, in movement because there's a lot of things that we can do superficially uh, but when you learn to control your center, you have confidence. You move. Re- you you move with intention. It's very real because you're occupying space. And so the same thing I think is with your ideological or linguistic center, your core of who you are. You know, you're finding that sense of identity that you were talking about, and yeah. being able to move when you speak that you are also taking that part with you. You're not just saying empty words, but you're really taking that part with you in your words. 
Uh, and they're not just, you know, rhinestones and, and glitter. So anyway, that's yeah. the way I think about it. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. And it reminds me of what we, what we think of when we say executive presence, right? You do need to have that gravitas that is being centered in your body and at the same time be centered in your authenticity, right? So there is both the physical and the cognitive essence that are there very much centered in what you're saying that gives gravitas and gravitas in that in right is also the weight of a person and then the presence that is felt in the environment so totally with you actually i think that they they should uh, um, do some trainings on body work <laughs> to talk i would love to do that. i've always wanted to get into <laughs> like a corporation and just do i just haven't had the especially with everything that happened last year has been crazy, but I wanted to create actually a program where, you know, you don't have to be a, an advanced dancer to understand certain key principles with movement. And I, I feel that movement, especially movement can allow people to experience distinctions in ways that maybe going about it cognitively sometimes can't. And I think it's a very powerful, unique tool, you know, uh, um, yes. like for example, I use momentum all the time. And I talk about the simple exercise where you can stand up and just be centered over your feet and you feel, you know, just basically there, you're just neutral. And you, if you lean forward, you know, you, you sort of start to feel this pressure building in your calf muscles. And then the more you lean forward, you will experience a very much that your brain is taking over the situation saying, Oh shit, like I'm going to fall. And you start having this conversation in your mind. And so the point is that you're experiencing angular momentum. You know, you're, you're changing your angle relative to the ground. But what that really is, is an example of what is it like to have momentum on your mind? You know, your mind, when it's present, it's zero. There's no meaning there. There's nothing. It's just there. And then, you know, we create a meaning and that puts us in a, a particular orientation. But you can't be grateful and angry at the same time. It's like you can't lean forward and lean back at the same time. Yeah. You know, so that yeah. whole thing is very easy to experience. Uh, when you are moving, because it's obvious, right? It's again, it's obvious. It's not an invisible realm, and so, yeah, yeah I've always wanted to uh, to get in a situation and work work with people in a, in a sort of a corporate setting that are just so stressed out or whatever, you know, to be able to give <laughs> different perspective, you know, with with the movement. So, yeah. 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 It's interesting for sure. <laughs> oh, they they are very lucky where you are because you can actually um, do that with them. I think it is it is going to be very powerful if, if if you have a chance to do that. Yeah. It's going to be very powerful. Very yeah, powerful. I'll I'll look into it for sure. I mean, it's uh it's an ever evolving thing, but I think that there's a lot of value in in movement as a as an approach to ontology. Let's put it that way. That's yeah. really kind of my thing is is movement as an approach to ontology. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I I totally hear you. I am passionate about the 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 singing part, which is an expression and of of something physical, and yeah. I love it because it comes from the inside, but it is very physical, right? The the reverberation of the chords and the fact yes. that you use your muscle and you actually give you breathe out a uh, sound. And uh, I am integrating and incorporating that in my coaching as well, because it is really, you do need to be very present to yourself and free 
to be yourself in order to actually express the harmony that comes from within. So, and, and that is, in my, my opinion, the singing um, and the expression of your voice is again, a point of connection between the inside and the outside. So the, the physical and the body work here are talking about in the singing, it's really when it comes, it comes together and it's a different expression, right? But I, but I love it. Yeah, no, I, I love it too, because I mean, singing or, or even speaking, right? Being in tune with your voice, that's really, it's really quite fascinating if you think about it, because the inside we have this information, we have a, a word in our head or a feeling or something, and that's information. And that information gets converted into the physical world through yeah. your vocal cords. And that is the first reality, you know, it's the first version 1.0 of that idea when you, <laughs> when you speak, you know, uh, yeah. whatever, you know, I have an idea and you tell it to somebody, it becomes real and then they remember it in their brain and it's shaping their brain. And now you have saved that file in some, in someone else's cloud hard drive and you're creating yeah. reality. You tell a few more people and you create reality and it starts to build and then they talk to you and, you know, it's just so, I love that whole process. I think it's just so fascinating to think about. It yeah. is. I could nerd out on it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I will follow you for a while. Yeah. <laughs> on that. It's yes. fun stuff. We'll have to do this again for sure. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, one more yes. question for you, Barbara. What's uh, What are you most grateful for today? Um, today, today or today in life? Uh, you know what? You can answer that however you want. I just said today. So. Well, today I, I am most grateful for the people that I actually encountered today as in during this day. They have all shown me so much care and so much love and it was uh, uh, unexpected to have a concentration of feedback like that in one day and so I am very grateful for the presence of these people around me. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend, Dr. Barbara. So many pieces of wisdom in that conversation. You know, our work to improve ourselves, to find that new level, to unlock some new potential, a new perspective, that's never done. It's always a life's practice. I've always said that so many times. And I hope this episode has given you some tools, some nuggets, some things you can use to take with you in your own life for the rest of today and tomorrow and the week ahead to find new areas to explore, to develop in your own quest for freedom, for happiness, for abundance, for success. All these wonderful things take practice. They're not destinations, but rather vibrations, right? They're habits, they're things that we do on a regular basis. If you want to connect with Dr. Barbara, I'm going to put a link for it on the show notes for, the, for this episode. It's episode 260. Don't forget danceoflife.com slash podcast if you want to access all the show notes or stay updated. Let's not forget good old Albert taking it away for us. There are two ways to live your life. One is as though everything is a miracle and another is as though nothing is. You know, this is such a classic quote and I've heard it so many times, but it's a great reminder that, you know, life is very, at least mentally and spiritually, Life is very black and white. You know, there is no gray between gratitude and ingratefulness. 
There's no middle road between that. You're either present or you're not present, right? So the mental and spiritual world is very binary in that sense. And so we have to remind ourselves that every day because that means every day we have a choice. We have a choice as to how we interpret the world. And and that's every minute, every moment something is happening to challenge you and to offer you that choice. And it's a real game because the more you choose gratitude, the more easy it is to see gratitude. The more you choose to not be grateful, the easier it is (laughs) to not be grateful. And so you have to continually make that choice. It comes back to that word, the P word, practice. I hope this has helped you. hope it's served you today. hope you enjoy the rest of your day, wherever you are listening to this. Stay healthy, stay happy, stay inspired. Remember, motivation is an inside job. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope to see you on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. Until then, don't forget, your life is a dance, so go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.